For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. January 8th, the year 2000. My team, the Buffalo Bills, we were in the playoffs. Our playoff game against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and our, our, our hopeful young quarterback had just had this amazing drive down the field with only a few seconds left on the clock, actually missing one shoe, drove the team down, and we took the lead with 16 seconds left on the clock. I remember sitting in my living room with my family and celebrating and jumping up and down and going, this could be our year and this could be our guy, only to kick the ball off uh, to the Titans in a, what should have been a, a pretty routine play, uh, which should have been a walk-off win. But the Titans uh, brought about this <laughs> trick play where they threw it across the field. Some would argue a forward pass that shouldn't have been, uh, where they ran it all the way back up for a touchdown with 16 seconds left. Uh, and I remember sitting there with this victory that should have absolutely been ours and have it slipped away. And, and the finality of that, um, kind of those like, wait, what just happened moments? Like, that can't be right. That can't be the end. Um, Fast forward to January 20th, 20-something uh, this year. Uh, once again, similar situation. My team is in the playoffs, and we're driving down, and we have this miraculous come-from-behind touchdown score with 13 seconds left on the clock. Victory should just be uh, guaranteed at this point. Um, we kick the ball off deeper this time. We'll leave just enough time on the clock and some really, really dumb defensive plays to allow Kansas City to come back tied and then win in overtime. Uh, and again, I was left in that, that, that sort of that feeling of, wait, how, how did that just happen? It can't be over. We can't just have lost because we were sure that we had won. Uh, and, and there's some of these, these moments that we experience in life in the finality of things. That, no, this can't, this can't have happened. This can't be true. This can't be the end. It can't be over. No, that's sort of a lighthearted introduction to uh, a pretty deep story. Um, we're going to pick up the text here this morning in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead, and that is why these miraculous powers are at work within him. Uh, the fame of Jesus is starting to spread. Herod the Tetrarch was the son of Herod the Great. Um, but Jesus... Um, Jesus was still kind of a nobody from Nazareth. His fame was slowly starting to grow. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Um, so this was Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod the Great. He had an affair with his sister-in-law. They had an affair and they each divorced their spouses and then married each other. Um, this offended greatly Herod's uh, former father-in-law, uh, who was a, a Nabataean king, and it ended up leading to a war. Uh, and so John calls them out on this, on this wicked union, on the affair, on the divorce, on the remarriage, and the fact that Herod was choosing uh, this woman over, the sake, over, the, over his country and, and, and leading to war. And so John is eventually killed. Um, he, uh, the it was about the death of a man whose offense had been telling the truth. Uh, we pick it up again here, verse 5. And though, uh, and though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people. That's Herod wanted to put John the Baptist to death. He feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias uh, danced before the company and pleased Herod. 
so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So it's this drunken party, and he, he, he's, he's sort of impressed, and, and some scholars would believe maybe even seduced um, by Herodias' daughter, who knows how young she is, and he makes this drunken oath and makes her promise, tell me what you want, and I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom. And, um, and then prompted by her mother, uh, verse 8, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Um, you see, see uh, Herodias, who... Um, seizes this opportunity, seeking, she's been seeking the opportunity to finally, in this, this, this vindication, this vindictiveness, to put John to death, demands the head, and, and Herod is, is forced under oath to comply. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother, and his disciples came and took the body, buried it. And they went and told Jesus. John was um, an Old Testament prophet, really. Uh, that, that's he, he's in the line of these Old Testament prophets who was killed for calling out a wicked king. It's, it's history repeating itself. This is what's happened all through the Old Testament. And in some ways, it even supports the claim where, where John the Baptist was this Elijah figure, that he was the Elijah was supposed to come before the Messiah. John the Baptist is this Elijah figure because just as Elijah was hunted by Ahab and Jezebel, so he is hunted by um, Herod and Herodias. Um, and, and the story, uh, you see sort of the guilt of Herod uh, in that he hears of the miracles of Jesus and his first assumption is it must be John the Baptist. He's come back to get me. Um, and I'm reminded of Shakespeare's play Macbeth. Uh, Macbeth is driven by ambition and prompted by these evil witches who give only partial truths and he begins, begins this quest for violently seizing power. He, 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 has his, he and his wife murder the king, uh, and then, then eventually has to have his, his best friend uh, Banquo murdered as well in order to sort of continue uh, the deceit and the ambition in order to hold on to power. And so he's driven by ambition and fear, and he's racked with guilt. And at one point in the story, um, he hallucinates this vision of Banquo sitting in his throne, uh, and, and it's his guilt, and he's overcome with emotion and ends up actually seeing that it's Banquo's children who will sit on the throne rather than his own. Um, Macbeth's ambition has broken him. He relies on violence to desperately hold, take hold of power. Uh, and then uh, in some ways, it's, it's the guilt of this ambition and power and the violence. And, uh, and, and Lady Macbeth and Macbeth are kind of these, these images of of Herod and Herodias, I think. It's the same idea of, of power, ambition, violence, maintaining the throne and the guilt that comes with it, I think we see here in Herod. Um, but as, as we wrap up this part of the story, um, it's a pretty sad little chapter where John the Baptist's disciple come and, and they pick up his body, his severed body. And, and, and it's this, this really sad ending to someone. We've talked with John before about um, about this prophet who dedicated his life to God and made these tremendous sacrifices, and yet here he is murdered. There is evil in this world. Um, and I had to have a conversation with the kids this morning about what's going on in the Ukraine, about the evil and, and ambition and the power and, and, and injustice in the world. There is evil in this world. How do you explain that to an eight-year-old? We have an enemy. There are forces around us waging a battle, waging a war, Satan is called the prince of this world. And so we shouldn't be surprised uh, when evil rises up. And, and the hard truth is that sometimes evil seems to win battles. 
this, this story of John the Baptist dying seems like a battle that evil has won. Not the war, but battles. There's a long line of prophets before him who were also murdered, killed, seeking to just love and honor and, and, and devote themselves to God. They're killed. There's a long line of missionaries after John the Baptist as well, even today, who are being killed. As we've talked about before in Afghanistan today, in North Korea today, people simply for trying to worship Jesus are being killed. And whether it's that or, or whether it's, it's, it's sickness and rejection or abuse or theft, cheating, stealing, murder, injustice, sexual trafficking, all of these things going on, war around us. We see these glimpses sometimes where it seems like evil is winning. And sometimes we get this finality when something happens, when there's heartbreak, when there's devastation. God, this can't be true. I'm sure you've had these moments, usually, especially when someone you, you love, you get the phone call that they've died. This can't be true. It can't be right. This can't be real. This can't be real. There's got to be more to this story. And, and there's that heartbreak of finality. And it just sometimes seems like evil is winning. And, and it often leads us to this question of why? Why? But God doesn't usually give us easy answers to these questions. The comfort we take, though, in the midst of the questions and in the midst of, of, uh, of the battle going on around us is the cross. Where Jesus was led to his brutal betrayal, beating, execution, and on Good Friday it looked like evil had dealt um, a death blow to the kingdom of God, only to see Jesus use that as the opportunity to actually get victory over sin itself, becoming what the Bible calls, Paul calls, a super conqueror, using the strength of the enemy against itself in order to gain victory. And we see through the cross that God will take things that look like defeat and, and, and turn them into good. And, and we're told the promise in Romans 8, and we've talked about this lots, is that that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. And that's not just a, a trite pleasantry. That's not just a cliche. And that doesn't mean things are going to go well for us here and now. Like John the Baptist, it might end poorly for us here. It might look like evil is gaining the upper hand at times, but we trust in the eternal plan of God. We trust in the long game that God is sovereign and He knows what He's doing. Jesus tells us in John 16, He says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. There, there will seem like there will be times when it seems like evil is winning, where evil is winning battles. But we trust that the war has been won. The enemy has been vanquished. For the time being, we will experience tragedy at times, and there will be losses. And we cling to the promise that God is sovereign, and that God is good, and that God will work things together for the eventual final victory. So don't lose heart. Don't lose heart in the losses. Don't lose heart in the disappointments. We trust Him beyond all those things, that Jesus was willing to endure what looked like a loss Himself. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, as He's praying, He says, if there's another way, take this cup. Well, then he, he submits and He says, no, okay, God, I know that the way to victory is first through defeat. Uh, and so whatever, whatever the disappointment is in your life right now, Maybe it's even just seeing the, like the chaos in the world around us. And you go, God, where are you in all of this? It's simply the faith and the hope that God is not absent. 
We have a role to play. We're to be salt and we're to be light and become part of the solution to fight against the darkness. We trust that God is not absent, so don't lose heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are sovereign and that you are good. And in the cross, we see this image of victory through defeat. And for a time, what seemed like a crushing defeat. God, even in these moments when it seems like evil is winning, when we're losing battles, God, help us to remain firmly fixed in the faith, in the victory that we have in you. Help us not to lose heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.